0: So, I've got some exciting news. So, the superintendent of the Boone School District contacted us, and they're like, you know, we, we know you guys really helped us out, the, the school district and our community. We've heard about your Wee Heart Boone stuff. Um, love what you're doing. And she's like, hey, we, I have a friend who's a superintendent down in Texas. And as you know, <laughs> yeah, there we go. <laughs> Leave it to the Texans. Love it. But, uh the she's like, I've got a friend who's a superintendent down there and, and, and they're going through a really hard time in their school district and they need some, they need some stuff. Can you help us out? So I just, I love it because we have a reputation for helping people out, for being the hands and feet of Jesus. So let's continue that reputation. Bring We Heart Boone South. I couldn't, uh, find it in me to call it We Heart Texas, but, uh. As an Iowa State fan, it just doesn't, it doesn't work. But, um, yeah, if you, can, if you can get any of this stuff, bring it here. Preferably this week, we want to get down there as fast as possible. Um, or contact Stacy um, or myself, but you might as well just go uh, cut out the middleman and contact Stacy. And uh, we'll get that sent down to help them out. So this morning, we're going to continue to dive into one of the, the most incredible chapters in the Bible. And so I feel really privileged to do that with you. So if you want to turn to Romans 8, we're going to be in Romans eight twelve to 17. And while you're going there, um, I was thinking about fast food restaurants like I do maybe too often. And uh, you know when you walk in and you know what the best thing there is. Like, you know what you're going to order, but you walk in and you see this huge ad, right? There's this new bacon jalapeno popper cheese bacon burger. And it's huge. And you're like, oh, I probably should get that instead. And then you end up getting it. And you're like, oh, man, yeah, I should have stuck with what I know is great, right? It happens to me often, especially at Taco Bell. I love the cheesy gordita crunch. It's the best thing there, but why... I, every time they got this deal and it's cheaper, but, and I do it, and I'm like, man, I should have gotten that. Usually end up getting it on the way out anyway. But this is what happens, right? Um, what 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 we want, or what we think we want, looks shiny and good. It looks shiny and good, but we should just go with what we know is good and best. And um, I think of it maybe on a little more serious level, um, with movie choice, right? I, I'm trying to figure out what movie should I watch tonight, and I'm like, "All right, it's going to be this one." Got it all figured out, right? And then someone texts me or calls me or posts on Facebook, and they're like, "Matt, I thought of you. You would love this movie. You have got to check it out, man." And I'm like, "All right, cool." So I check it out, and um, one of one of my boundaries for watching movies. I'm not super imposing this on you. I'm just telling you, it's good to have boundaries around things in life. Um, one of my boundaries is that there'll be no nudity in it. And I go and I look and it's like, oh yeah, that does look like my type of movie except for that. And uh, I see that in the parent's guide. And uh, I'm like, what should I do? (laughs) You know? And that's the tension we live in, in life. And that's especially the tension we live in as Christians. What, What looks shiny and good... We just want to go for it, but but we know what 's good and best and what we should do, and on a very real level, this is what it 's like to follow jesus there 's this tension all the time of of who are we going to follow, who is our leader the, the Holy Spirit or the flesh, our sinful nature the God or us basically and that's that 's kind of the tension and the warring we see in our scripture this morning, so I want you to notice it. As I read Romans 12 to 17, notice the tension between the spirit and the flesh. Here we go. Romans eight twelve. So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the spirit of God are sons of God. For you do not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. But if you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father, the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. Provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. So the tension here in every moment of our lives as followers of Jesus, is this. Who is our leader? Who am I going to follow? Am I going to follow the Holy Spirit or am I going to follow my sinful flesh? My sinful nature. Am I going to follow God or am I going to follow me? So I just want to show you this tension. So, first, we see it in our position, who we are, our, our identity. And if you are a follower of Jesus, here's your identity. This is who you are, apart from anything you do, before you even lifted a finger. As a follower of Jesus. This is who you are. Adopted. Adopted. Verse 14, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. A little farther down, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons. Verse 16, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Three times in this text, over and over. In case you missed it, hey, you're a child of God. Hey, you're a child of God. By the way, you're a child of God, over and over. And it's incredibly significant because it means we belong. We're all, we're all walking around through life looking for belonging, looking for meaning. And, and it's like God going, hey, this is where belonging is found. In me. In relationship with me. And I'm just going to give you that the moment you believe. That's what it means to be adopted. And it says in this text that we have a new dad, essentially. We cry out, Abba, Father. And this is all because of what Christ did for us. But, I, but it's interesting that it says we cry, Abba Father. We cry. This is this is real. That's raw emotion right there. It's not just, yep, you know, robotically or, or just kind of factual. I am a child of God. No. We, we cry out to him. I'm a child of God. How incredible is that? He is my dad. It, it's like, Crying out, it's, it's like we have those people in our lives who are, who are our, our peeps, or some people call it their tribe, right? Those people you can, just, you can share anything with, right? You just pour out your heart to them. You can just, just be real. The mask is off. Everything just here. I, I'm just being honest, right? That's the type of relationship it's talking about there. That's the type of father-son, father-daughter relationship we're talking about. But it just doesn't just end there, that's just cry. We cry out to who? Abba, Father. Now this term Abba um, is, is a more intimate term that, that means Daddy, essentially. But it's coupled with Father for a reason. It's coupled with Father for reverence. While God is our Daddy, He's still the God of the universe. Which is so incredible about God. That He is the God of the universe that created Anything and everything that we see gives us life and breath. Yet, yet gives us access to him, but not just access. A relationship far more intimate than you could ever realize. Far more loving and close than you could even long for. That's God. That's Abba, Daddy. Daddy. Now, notice that the focus here, though, is God himself. The focus isn't us. The focus isn't you, ourself. He's crying out, God is my father. He's not crying out, I am a child of God. That's good to say. We just sang it, in fact. Okay? It's good. That is good and right and true that we are children of God. But notice the focus here is God. He is my dad. Now, moving on with our position, we are adopted, but it goes beyond that. We're heirs, heirs of life. Verse 17, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. This is who we are. This means that we get the inheritance. So adopted kids, when when kids are adopted into a family, especially at this time when Paul wrote it, they usually would not get the inheritance. That was reserved for the firstborn. Okay, the firstborn son would get that, but no, it's saying, it's saying uh, whether whether you're male, you're female, whether you're biological kid or not, everyone who's a child here, everyone who's adopted, gets the inheritance. We get this inheritance anyway. I think of like uh, I go on ESPN.com a lot, and and on there you have. These articles that you can read, anybody can read it. And then there's ones that have a plus by it, ESPN plus, And you can read like the first two sentences. And then you're like, oh, I just want to see it. And you have to pay in order to get that. And I haven't delved uh, far that far into ESPN to, to, to ever want to do that. But um, yeah, it's, it's kind of like this. Uh, the, just the regular subscription. It's not even a subscription. You just go to the site. It's like you're adopted. That's cool. But if you had ESPN Plus, it's, it's not like your are heirs. You get to see the whole thing. You see this with magazine sites and, and uh, newspaper sites as well. You can only just read a little bit unless you subscribe to it. And then you can see the whole thing. But this is what we get. All because of Christ's death on the cross, we get an inheritance. We, we get eternal life. But beyond that, we're, we're like his honored guests at the table. We get this honored status. We're not just getting in by the skin of our teeth. We're not just, well, I guess I'll adopt you. You can be part of our family. That's cool. No, no, you are an honored son, an honored daughter. And this is before you even did anything as a follower of Jesus. This is just who you are, your position. You're an heir and you are adopted. Now, if you are apart from Christ, if you don't have a relationship with him, this is who you are. You're a slave, a slave to what? A slave to sin. Verse fifteen: For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. It's talking about our selfish, ungodly desires here. uh, This, this, this um, propensity within us to just do wrong things and keep doing wrong things because it makes me feel good. Me, me, me. That's the focus. That's life in the flesh. That is who we are. We're a a slave to ourselves. See, sin, sin is bondage. It's slavery. And and we're going to talk more about that later in this message. But it's all about me. And me is a cruel master because we're never really satisfied. We just want more. We just want more. We just want more. So if you are in Christ, this is who you are not. You are not a slave. You're not a slave to sin. But this is also who you are not. You are not an heir of death. Paul's saying, hey, if if you don't know Christ, here's what you have coming to you. Death. Now this means metaphorical death in sinful bondage right now as we live. But it also means spiritual death for eternity. This is your identity. This is who you are. You are marked by death. And you should feel the tension even as I say that now. And and that's what Paul wants us to do. He's pleading with this church in Rome and he's pleading with us going, Hey, this is who you are. You are adopted. You are an honored guest. You get the inheritance. You are an heir of life. You are not a slave anymore. Don't live like it. You're not an heir of death. And it's like Paul saying, Hey, live consistently with your identity. Live consistently with who you are in Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. But man, is that hard, right? We feel the tension. We feel the tension all the time. So let's keep going. See this tension here. Who's our leader? The spirit or the flesh? God or you? Our posture. So that we talked about our position. This is who we are. Now here's our posture. This is what life is like. This is what we feel what we should feel, what we can feel all the time, what we're invited to, and it's security. Security. End of verse 15, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. So much security in that statement. Because of our position, because of our identity, our posture is now assured. It's secure. I think of my two-year-old son, Ian, Almost without exception, every time I come home, I I walk in the door. And wherever he's had, I I just hear the pitter-patter, pitter-patter, pitter-patter. Daddy! And he comes up and I put my arms out and just give him a big squeeze. I love that. I wish they did that uh, all the time growing up when they were eight as well. But that's, you know, life moves on. And uh, as, as I'm sure many of you experienced. But there's nothing like that, right? See, this is the posture, though. Of our relationship with God. Security. We're running to God. Because there's safety in His arms. He's taking care of sin. And death. And, and now we're adopted. And we're given this honored status. And, and even when we screw up. Even as all children do. Right? Even when we screw up. We're invited to run to Him. Not away from Him. And we can do that because He's our dad. He's our dad. Now there may be loving consequences from our dad, just like we have, or at least we try to have loving consequences with our children here on earth, but he has forgiven it all. And he wants to walk forward with you. The posture is running to God. Always. Regardless of the mess, he's our dad. But the posture that we used to have And that you have apart from Christ is is afraid. It's fear. Verse 15. You do not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Afraid of what though? Afraid of God. Afraid of punishment. Eternal punishment. Afraid. Fear. This posture is one of running away from God. Instead of running to God. See whenever we choose the slavery of sin even as believers we're choosing a life of fear and trying to run away from God and do things on our own. But Paul's saying, "Hey, quit living like God isn't your dad. Quit living like he's not right there ready to pick you up. You don't have to live in sin and fear anymore. That's not that's not who you are." But that's the temptation we live in, isn't it? Just to run away. We find ourselves caught in sin, so instead of running to God, we're like, I don't know, I don't know if He actually wants me back. I don't know if He's. There. I'm just going to run away. It seems easier right now. We find ourselves afraid, discouraged, defeated, and we believe these lies. Right, God, God, you, He's not going to welcome me back. I've gone way too far this time, God. You know. I can't be free from this sin. It's way too hard, and I don't think you can help me with it. And we believe those lies. We run away. And if that's you today, and you are in Christ, I want you to listen up. If you've been dozing, if you've been tuning me out, just listen up right now if this is you. That is not who you are. God is saying, hey, come home runny. My arms are open wide. Come home runny. Run to me, not away from me. The farther you run away from me, the worse it's gonna get. Run to me. I want to walk through this with you. And I'd love to end the message right now on that note. That would be awesome. But there's there's a pesky little line in this passage that I can't get over. And it says, Provided we suffer with him. There's a cost. There is a cost to following Jesus. There is a cost to choosing the Spirit over our sinful nature. And the cost is death. Death to sin through secure suffering. Verse 12, so then brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. Verse 13, but if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Put to death the deeds of the body. Put to death sin in our lives. Sinful patterns. Particularly those old sinful patterns. That we had in the past when when we weren't children of God. Put those away, but put all of it away. It's it's not who you are anymore. Considering yourself dead to sin, or as we sang in one song today, slaying sin... Is difficult. And verse 17 tells us that, provided we suffer with him. So, on top of all of the suffering that we face in this sin stained, messed up, broken world, everyone experiences suffering, trouble, hardship. On top of that, it's saying that as a believer, we now get more suffering for following Jesus. Here's the thing. Death is always painful. Death always hurts. But as the Holy Spirit helps us, it's for our good. But it hurts, right? We have our our hands just pried to sin. And he's trying to just, just pry our hands off of it. And it hurts. That process is very, very hurtful. But it's not meaningless. It's good for us. See, this is our call as believers, though. Suffering. Jesus suffered, so why would we not? Jared Cole said last week that the Holy Spirit is a nuisance, and I, and I like that. I, I think that's a good way to put it, at least some of the time. His work of conviction is like a, He's like a, he's a nuisance sometimes. He was, he was a nuisance to me this week. I was listening to a book. I was driving along and I just got done um, venting to my sister about some different troubles in my life. Kind of woe is me attitude. This is hard. Life is hard. You know, if I'm on it, it just wasn't good. Wasn't healthy. Dropped her off. Was Listening to this book. And I just got hit over the head by God. In a really great way, though. And what happened was, is, is this guy was sharing how, hey, he was, he was specifically addressing pastors, but this is true for all of us. He's like, hey, we're called to bear our cross every day, so why would life not be difficult for you? And then he proceeded to read like 20 some verses, saying that we are called to suffer as Christians. So I'm going to spare you and just read 10 of them today. But I was so humbled, you guys, and, and convicted and strangely comforted, though, because it was like, oh, this is normal. I shouldn't be surprised by this as, as much as I have been lately. So I hope something similar happens to you as I read these. So they'll be on the screen for you. Acts five forty one. Then they left the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. Becoming like him in his death. Hebrews eleven twenty five, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. Talk about Moses there. James five ten. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Look at their example. First Peter two twenty. For what credit is it if when you sin and are beaten for it you endure? But if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. 1 Peter 4.16, yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. Matthew 5.11, blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Matthew 10.39, whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. 2 Corinthians 4.11 For we who are, we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake. So that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our mortal flesh. And Philippians 1.29 For it has been granted to you. Granted to you. That for the sake of Christ you should not only believe in him. But also suffer for his sake. Man. But the Holy Spirit is not just a nuisance that convicts us of sin. That's not his only role. He's also called the comforter. Our suffering isn't meaningless as Christians. Our suffering is not pointless. It makes us more like Christ. It makes us more alive to Christ. It helps us just take off our grave clothes and live more alive. And that is good for us. That is what's best for us. But it is painful sometimes. It also means that our, our, we don't suffer on our own. I, I said secure suffering here for a reason. Verse 17 also says we pr- provided we suffer with Him. With Him. Emmanuel, God with us. He's with us in it. The suffering at the end of verse 17. Is there for a reason. See, Paul said that at the end for a reason. He did it because he wanted to say, hey, here's who you are. Here's your position. You're adopted. You're heirs. Now this is what you're called to. Called to suffer. See, he wanted to remind us, hey, you are secure. You are assured. You're not suffering alone. I will be with you. The Holy Spirit is God with us, in us. And no suffering can uproot that. So I want you to hear the comfort, the security, and the assurance promised in suffering from this scripture. So I have several more to read for you. Just let this wash over you. Second Corinthians 1, 3 and 4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Father of mercies and God of all comfort. Who comforts us in all our affliction so that way we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Matthew 5, 4, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. John sixteen twenty, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. John 16:33 I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace in the world you will have tribulation but take heart I have overcome the world Romans 8:38 and 39 for I am sure I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present or things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 15 13 may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Hebrews 13 5 I will never leave you nor forsake you. First Peter 5.10 And after you have suffered a little while the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, confirm, strengthen and establish you. Psalm 34.19 The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. 2 Corinthians 4.17 For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory Beyond all comparison. The cost for believers is that we... Will suffer... Through putting sin to death. But it will be with security and hope and joy. That can't be robbed from us. The cost though... For an unbeliever... If you're following the flesh, is life in sin. Life in sin through insecure suffering. You might be like, life, that doesn't sound like much of a punishment to me. Doesn't sound like much of a cost to me. Sounds more like a reward freedom. I can do whatever I want, instant pleasure, no rules. Let's do it. Where's the cost? The cost is that. This life in sin leads to more suffering. Well, cool, Matt, but you just told us that following Jesus produces more suffering too. So what's the difference? The difference is that it leads to suffering with no security, no hope, no life, no purpose in it or on the other side of that suffering. Ask an addict of anything if they feel free. They would say no. I feel more trapped if they were r- really honest with you. Think of it when you've been addicted to stuff in your life. am not just talking drugs here. We've all been there. Before I came to know Christ, I was addicted to playing tennis. Guess what? It wasn't free. I felt really trapped in that. I could never get enough. Totally dissatisfied. Even as a believer, things have have slipped into the addiction category at times. Food for me, if I'm honest, as a believer at times. It's insatiable. You just can't get enough, right? The freedom we think that we want actually enslaves us. Because there's no hope of escape. There's no hope. Romans one twenty four says it like this, therefore God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts. He gave them up. He didn't give up on them. He gave gave them up. See, when we choose the sinful nature, when we choose the flesh, apart from Christ, He's giving us up to those things. It's like He's saying, you want freedom? Go for it. See where it gets you, Matt. Here's where life in sin gets us. Addiction, despair, abuse, relationships shattered, families upended, loneliness, jobs taken away, financial debt on top of financial debt on top of financial debt, women's and and girls' dignity stolen, men's and boys' respect and honor just abandoned by themselves. See, this is what sin does. But it's not just those people, that list I just read. I'm sure a lot of you are like, yeah, that's not me. It's all of us. If we have unchecked sin in our life, it produces death of some sort in our lives. Unchecked lying produces death to trust in your life. Trust with other people. Unchecked drinking produces death potentially to jobs, license, and certainly to self-control. Unchecked pornography or or flirting with someone who you're not married to or don't intend to produces death. Death to marriages, death to relationships, unchecked anger and rage produces death to friendships and jobs, unchecked moralism. What I mean by that is, is I'm perfect. I'm following Jesus. I have no flaws, even though you do, because you're a human. But sometimes we get in that mentality. I don't I'm good. I really don't have anything. Drives me crazy when I ask people, hey, what can I pray for you about? Oh, nothing, I'm good, and I just want to tell them I don't. I go, no, you're not. (laughs) Unchecked moralism, I am great, leads to death of witness to other people. Because guess what? People see through it and they go, you're a hypocrite. Why would I want to follow Jesus? Unchecked overeating produces death, definitely death of self-control. Unchecked jealousy produces death of contentment. Unchecked arrogance produces death of serving other people, at least genuinely. Unchecked gossip produces death of trust. Unchecked selfishness produces death of gratitude, thankfulness. Unchecked greed produces death of generosity. And unchecked apathy will produce a death of zeal and passion for God. See, this is life in sin. This is the life we choose when we choose self over God. When we choose the flesh over the spirit. And when we do that, it produces insecurity, hopelessness, and needless suffering. I think the the hymn, Oh, the Needless Pain We Bear... And the reward of that is death. Verse 13 says, if you live according to the flesh, you will die. This verse means what it says. Spiritual death, if you live in it, means you're spiritually going to die. What about the security? What about the assurance? What about the hope? What about salvation that we just saw in Romans, that we see throughout Scripture? Here's what I would say to this verse. I personally believe that this verse, if you live according to the flesh, you will die. I think if, if, you, if, if you believe in Jesus and live in unrepentant sin that you know about and just go, I don't care, whatever, and you just make that a pattern in your life over and over and over You probably never truly believed to begin with because the Holy Spirit wouldn't allow that. As a comfort, though, if you're here and you're really concerned about this verse, you're like, man, am I heading to death? I'm not really sure. I'm really concerned about that. I can confidently tell you you're not. And here's how I can confidently tell you that you wouldn't care if you were. If the Holy Spirit's at work putting a concern and a care for the sin in your life, the Holy Spirit's at work in your life, that's not you. We need to deal with sin seriously and we need to deal with it consistently, but we need not let it shake our identity, who we are in Christ. But the reward for believers is this it's life. Life now. Verse 13. Certainly there's a dying to ourselves, but then of 13. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. See, you'll experience life the way it was meant to be lived right now. Certainly won't come without hardship, but there will be the peace beyond understanding, the joy of the Holy Spirit in your life. And it will also produce life forever. End of verse seventeen. Provided we suffer with him, in order that we may also be glorified with him. We'll get eternal life. We'll be glorified. Have a perfect body. That is our hope. I read this earlier. Second Corinthians four seventeen. This light, momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. See, so cling to that. While we suffer, and while we suffer even more as we battle sin and try to slay sin in our lives in the power of the Holy Spirit, that suffering is light and momentary. Certainly doesn't feel light and certainly doesn't feel momentary to us often. However, compared to what you have coming, to the reward, to being with Jesus forever no more tears, no more pain, no more things aggravating, aggravating you or bugging you, all of this stuff that just drives you nuts here on this earth, gone. And with the King of kings and Lord of lords, with Abba Father forever and ever and ever without end, eternal enjoyment. See, we can't even be Begin to understand how great and amazing that's going to be. So that's why it far outweighs this light momentary affliction right now. And that's what can give us strength and hope and, and the peace and joy that we need to kill sin in our lives by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for the Holy Spirit